In the book of John, chapter 10, verse 10, the Bible says that the thief does not come except to kill, steal, and destroy. And what it means there does not come except, it says, basically what that means is the only reason why the devil comes is to kill, steal, and destroy. There's no other reason why the devil is going to come into your life. He doesn't come into your life just to cause you a little bit of frustration. The devil doesn't come into your life just to cause you a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of problems here and there. The Bible says that he only comes, the only reason why he comes into your life and my life is to steal, kill, and destroy. Can somebody say amen? amen? Let's pray. Father, tonight I pray that you would have your way, Lord God, that it would be your voice that your people hear, not my voice, God. And Father, I pray that you would be able to deliver the message the way that you gave it to me, that I would be able to convey it clearly, concisely, and very, very simply tonight, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that you would just have your way and that your presence would be here in Jesus' name. And together, everybody said, amen. Go ahead and have your seats here tonight. Praise the Lord. And oddly enough, or not oddly enough, crazy enough, I've actually spoken this message before, but I changed it a little bit, and I think I actually heard Pastor Stevon say, say something one time, and I liked it. He said, I've spoken this before, but I put a little tapatio on it this time. Can somebody say Amen. How many guys like Tapatio? Come on. And a little bit, there's some people that go, but I like Valentina's more. Come on now, right? How many know everything tastes a little bit better with a little bit of, uh, uh, little bit of Tapatio on it? Can someone say amen? Well, here tonight, I put a little bit of Tapatio on this message only because I believe that it's something that we are seriously dealing with in the culture that we are a part of. Can someone say amen? Because how many know there's a lot of crazy things happening in our culture? And again, the enemy is coming to steal, kill, and destroy. And one of the biggest things that the enemy is trying to do, he's trying to steal people's identities. He's trying to take our identities. And you say, well, what do you mean, Pastor Toby? What are you talking about as far as our identity? Do you know that when you were born, or actually even the Bible says even before you were born, God knew you, right? Which means you already had an identity. Because in order for somebody to know you, you have to have an identity. So even before you were even born, God had already given you identity. He already knew you. All right. You guys are with me, right? It sounds like you're with me. But here today, in today's modern world, did you know that thieves no longer need to resort to violence, robbery, or burglary to gain access to your money or to your personal information? See, just by obtaining your Social Security number, your driver's license, your bank account number, or any of these things, they can easily, and without your knowledge, that's the heavy thing right there, without your knowledge, clean you out of all, you, all you've ever earned, all your hard-earned money, all your hard-earned stuff, through identity theft. It's funny, I was talking to somebody today actually at work, and he was saying that now they even have this thing, because there's a lot of scammers going around, amen, that, uh, that, that, that's happening. They, they call you on the phone. There, there's even people that will call you and say that they're the IRS, right? And they threaten, you know what, we're going to send an officer out there to arrest you if you don't send us this amount of money. You know, well, you know what's the funny, crazy thing is that people still don't get this, that the IRS don't call you. They don't need to call you. You'll just get a letter, amen, because the less they have to actually talk to you person to person, the better for them. So they don't, they don't call you, but people still fall for this scam. They're like, oh, my God, and they, they actually mail them money or send, give them their, their information over the phone. But this guy that I was talking to work, he said that now they will call you and say, you know, you'll answer the phone, you say hello, and they say, oh, is this Toby Flanagan? And usually when somebody says that, I'll go, why, who's this? Or why do you ask? But all they want you to do is say the word, this simple word, yes, it is. And as soon as you say that word, they have access to all your information. How they do it, I don't know, but it's, it's, but it's out there. So be very, very careful because they, they don't need to come up to you and steal anything from you anymore. They don't need to resort to violence. They don't need to rob your house. They don't need to do these things. 
And here in the United States, there are 10 million victims of identity theft every single year. That's just the United States. Now, believe me, if it happens here, it happens in other places. Victims spend an average of $1,500 and 175 hours to recover total, uh, to get a total recovery of their stuff. And there's a total cost of $50 billion spent every year just to recover stolen identities. And in many states, check this out, identity theft is not illegal. It's not against the law. Hmm, think about that. Kind of crazy, right? You see, my friends, the enemy works in a very, very similar manner and has been stealing identities often undetected since the beginning of time. Since the beginning of time. Now, while his ultimate goal was to kill, steal, and destroy, his first tactic is to destroy you and I from the inside out by subtly, quietly, and again, sometimes unknowingly siphoning off our internal self-worth that's residing in our God-given identity. Because, see, that's who we are. Who we were born, the way we were born, and how we were born, that's our identity. God created us a certain way. Every single one of us has a certain identity, but that identity is in Christ alone. Huh? Because how many know that there's a lot of people looking for their identity in a lot of different places? Huh? But how many know that, again, we go back to the word, right? That even before you were in your mother's womb, God knew you. So if he was the one that created you, then I believe that your identity would be in him, right? Not anything else. And I believe that the rise of identity theft in this world is just a symbolic uh, uh, thing of what's happening in the spiritual, of what's happening in the spiritual and within the church today. See, the devil's trying to keep you and I from seeing, finding, and fulfilling our purpose and our destiny in God. Can somebody say amen? So here tonight, I want to do a little bit of exposing. Is that okay? We're going to expose the enemy so that he can no longer go undetected and steal your identity and my identity. Because you see, the enemy is a master pickpocket. You guys ever been got by a pickpocket before? Right? They're pretty smooth, right? They can come in, right? And they can come in, and you won't even, you won't hear them, you won't see them, but they'll take something from you. They'll steal something from you. They'll take whatever they can from you, and you won't even know it. You won't even know until it's too late. You might not even know until the next day, or the next week, until that you're missing something. Huh? They'll just come in. How I many know that's what the enemy does? See, now the enemy has a whole lot of different weapons in his arsenal, and it has a whole lot of taxes that he can use to steal, kill, and destroy you and I. But the way that he tries to steal our identity, the main, reason, the main way he tries to steal yours and I, our identity is by reminding us of our past sins and behaviors. Are you guys still with me? You guys still with me? All right. It's by reminding us of our past sins and behaviors. How many of you got some past sins? How many of you know we got some past behaviors? Come on, man, home. Right? I know who I'm talking to, right? I'm, I'm a product of the home. Right? I had some past sins. I had some past behaviors. Amen. And how many know sometimes, you know, those past sins and past behaviors begin to follow us? But again, in order to understand who we are in Christ, we have to understand God's word. Because that's where we find out who we are in Christ. And the word of God says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It doesn't say some things. It says all things. It says something there that says new. How many of you guys like new things? I don't know about you, but I love new things, right? But how many know that just because of our natures, we like to hold on to old stuff sometimes, right? I know because we just kind of, we, we didn't like remodel our house because we don't really have a house. We have an apartment, amen? But we didn't really remodel it. We kind of just, you know, moved move some stuff around, got rid of some old stuff, huh? Brought in some new stuff. Well, it's new to us, hello, right? 
Amen. Praise the Lord. It used to be somebody else's, but now it's ours, so it's new. Praise God. But how you know, sometimes we like to do that. We like to hold on to old stuff. And I know, like I said, me and my, we just, you know, we moved a few things around, but there was a lot of old stuff. And I just, we were looking at it like, why are we even keeping this? You know, like, what is it? It's just sitting here collecting dust. It has no more purpose anymore. And sometimes we have the same thing within our spiritual lives. We hold on to these old things that we, we don't even use them anymore, but they just, they just weigh us down and they cause us to, uh, to kind of like slow down within our spiritual life. Huh? But the Bible says that we have become new. How many of you guys are glad that you're new? And it's true that uh, uh, that painful past can negatively affect your present and also your future. Huh? And how you know the devil likes to throw that stuff in our face, right? I don't know. I don't know about you, but when I, you know, I was in the home, and after I got out of the home, and I was trying to do the right thing, and I was trying to be the best Christian that I could be, and I was trying to to go forward. The devil always kept throwing that stuff back in my face, right? They, they, there's a term they use. He kept bringing out the trash can, right? Every time I would do something, you know, he would throw it in my face. Don't you remember who you really are? Come on, man. You're just a meth head. Come on, you just, you're just a, you know, you're just a no-good drug addict. And you kept throwing it in my face, throwing it in my face, and I, and I would believe it. And every single time he would throw it out, it would cause me to fall. And the enemy wants us to believe that we are the only ones that suffer from these negative issues or character flaws from our past and that we were unable to change or that we are unable to change. And when you and I accept the Lord, the Bible says there that we are new creations. Huh? So when the enemy comes and tries to lie to us, we need to remember, we got to go to God's word. When the enemy comes and tries to throw that stuff back in our face, we got to go to God's word. Can somebody say amen? See, you may be in the same body, huh? But you're brand new. Look at your neighbor and say, you might be in the same body, but you're brand new. So the next time the enemy reminds you of your past, you need to remind him of his future. Huh? I'm going to say that one again. The next time the enemy tries to remind you of your past, you need to remind him of his future. Huh? Again, if you read the word of God, you read the end of the Bible, how many know that we win? Come on now. How many know that the devil's already defeated? He's already defeated. He's already lost. Huh? But too often our sin and our emotional baggage gets linked to what we believe about ourselves. In other words, our personality and identity become associated with the things that we struggle with. Because I know we struggled with some stuff, and we struggle with stuff today. Yeah, we get saved, we're made new, but we still struggle. But sometimes those struggles begin to cause us to use that as an identifier. We identify ourselves by our struggle. Because, see, that's what the enemy wants. He wants you to think that you are what you struggle with. Huh? His strategy is to get us to believe that our past actions and sins define who we are, and therefore society and culture will define us. Huh? And that's what, that's what it is. Because how many know the devil's working within our culture, within our society? Huh? Remember, the Bible says that what, he's, a, he's a prince of the air. He's the, he's, he's the prince of this world. So to, you know, more or less what, he, what it's saying there, that he's, he's here. This is his, this is, this is his uh, like I said, this is his domain. This is his camp. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to get the society and the culture to define us, to put labels on us. And what happens is when, a lot of times when somebody puts a label on you, we don't know how to take it off. Huh? We don't know how to rip it off. We can just see it there and we go, oh, okay, that's who I am, right? Has anybody ever told you, you're, oh, you're just going to be a drug addict? You're just a drug addict. Always going to be a drug addict, huh? Oh, look, at she's just a prostitute. Oh, he's just a pimp. That's who he is. That's his identity. Or look, they're just a failure. Always failing. Can't never do nothing right. Just a failure. Or they're always going to be mentally challenged, right? They're always going to have mental problems. Always going to be emotionally struggling, right? And the culture and the society tries to label us. Or he's always going to be an alcoholic. Come on now. And the list goes on and on and on and on today. If you go into a psychologist's doctor's office and you sit there, 
and you just and you could just hear the different things that they're giving names to, right? Oh, they're just going to be this, and they're just had that, and they're just you know I don't know, there's psychotic this and psychotic that, and they, they have a name for everything, for every every little problem there is, they have a name for it, they have a label for it. But I'm here to let you know, behind every single one of those things is a spirit, is the enemy working overtime within our culture, within our society. Instead of saying no, you want to know who you are, you got to go to the Word of God. Go to the Word of God. The one that created you wrote this. If you want to know who you are and where your identity is, you need to go to the one that created you. Go to his word. Can somebody say amen? See, the truth is sins and labels are not who you and I truly are. Your sin does not define you. Your sin is just a behavior. It's not who you are. Your sin is not what God created. That's not who God created you to be. Huh? God didn't create me to be a drug addict. God didn't create you to be an alcoholic. God did not create you to be emotionally unstable. That's not who you are. That's not your identity. Do not let the enemy lie to you. Huh? <laughs> they might be the things that we struggle with, but they do not define us, nor are they or my identity in Christ. Most people don't see the direct connection between the way that they view themselves and their destiny. See, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, for as a man thinketh in a heart, so is he. Huh? Tell me, no, we have a, our mind is very powerful, right? God created it that way. God created our mind a certain way. It's very has a lot of power. But as we begin to see ourselves a certain way because culture puts a label on us, we begin to see ourselves that way. We begin to believe it. We begin to internalize it. And that's where it gets really deep. When we begin to internalize what society begins to tell us, it's hard sometimes to be able to take that label off. Huh? But again, we go back to the Word of God, right? We go back to the Word. But see, those have a connection, the way we think and the way we view ourselves. If you think you're a loser, you're probably going to, you'll end up being a loser. Because I thought I was always going to be a drug addict because I kept telling myself that. I kept seeing myself that way. I kept being a drug addict. I could never get out of that because I kept seeing myself that way. I kept seeing myself that way. It was connected to the way I thought about myself. See, if you see yourself as weak, then you'll be weak. If you see yourself as less than other people, you're going to be less than other people. Once a drug addict, always a drug addict. Huh? I'm never going to change. Then you're never going to change. So no matter your past or your recent behavior, you are who God says you are. Huh? Hear me today. You are who God says you are. Then you're not hearing me. You are who God says you are. We need to know who we are in Christ so that we can live our life as God intended and fulfill our destiny. The reason God created you who you are, the way, the, who, the person that you are right now, the reason why God created you that way is so that you can fulfill your destiny in him. It wasn't for any other purpose or destiny. It doesn't matter what you're doing right now. It doesn't matter your career, your job, your, your, maybe your mother, your father. It doesn't matter what, that's not your destiny in Christ. That's just what you're doing right now. That's not your identity in Christ. There's nothing wrong with those things. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with being a mom, being a dad, being a grandparent, having to, you know, being a, a lawyer, a doctor, whatever that, whatever it might be, whatever that is for you. But that is not your identity in Christ. That is not your purpose in Christ. That is not why God created you. Everybody was created for a purpose. Can somebody say amen? And the more you and I know and agree with who Christ says we are, the more our behavior will begin to reflect our God-given identity. When you begin to act the way that God says, if God says this is who you are, and you begin to act that way, that's when the power is going to come. When God says, you know what, you're more than a conqueror, and you begin to walk like you're a conqueror, then you're going to be able to conquer things. Huh? Are you guys hearing me tonight? I don't think you guys are hearing me tonight. The more our behavior will begin to reflect our God-given identity. we got to believe what God says. Huh? Sometimes we can believe God, what God says about a lot of different things. Well, I believe God, what God said about him. Well, I believe what God says about her. But how much can you believe God, what he says about you? When God says something about you, said, oh, I don't know about that. 
That sounds like a lot. But when you begin to believe what God says about you, that's when the power is going to come. Because then you begin to walk in your identity. And that's what God, that's God's purpose for you, is to walk in the identity that he's given you. Can somebody say amen? You need to see you as God sees you. You need to see yourself through God's eyes. Quit looking at yourself through your neighbor's eyes. Quit looking at yourself through your parents' eyes. Because, I mean, I, don't get me wrong, I love my parents. My parents did the best they could, but they weren't perfect. But sometimes we, end up, we see ourselves through the way our parents saw us. Huh? And things that would come out of their mouths. And we begin to believe that, that stuff. Can somebody say amen? You know, they used to work for me. I know, I know a lot of people don't like this word, but a lot of people, I, I remember this word. It was idiot. You're just an idiot. Quit being an idiot. Quit acting like an idiot. And I would grow, as I got older, I began to believe, man, I'm just an idiot. You know, people say, why do you do that? I go, oh, no, I'm just an idiot. You know? Because it was in me. Huh? We need to stop leaving out who people and the world say that we are and take hold of the truth of God's word. You see, we're not what, or who Facebook says we are. Huh? We're not who Instagram says we are. We're not who Snapchat says we are. Because let's be honest, some of the, if I look at some of your posts, that ain't you. That is so not you. I mean, you, somebody asked me the other day, yeah, I thought so-and-so's name was this. And I go, I looked at it and I go, oh, yeah, that ain't her last name. They don't even, they, want, you, they, they don't, portray, you guys don't portray who you really are. Even on Facebook, it's a, that's what I'm saying. That's the identity crisis that we are in right now. And this, I'm talking about people in the church. I'm not just talking about people in the world. I'm talking about in the church. That they can't even be on, they don't even know who they are in the church, on Facebook, on Instagram. They're trying to portray somebody totally different than who God created them to be. Because why? Because they don't know who they are. Not, not only do they have an identity crisis, the enemy's slowly but surely stealing their identity. Taking it from him, just like a, like a kleptomaniac. He just can't help himself. That's, just, that's all he wants to do. Can't help himself. But he's a pickpocket. He's going to do it, and you're not even going to know it. See, we need to know who God says we are. Not only do we need to know who God says we are, we need to agree with him. Huh? When God says something, you say, amen. God says, this is who we are. You say, praise the Lord. Even if you don't feel it, you got to agree with it. See, the word new translated in the Greek I hope I say this right, but I'm probably not going to. The word new is kainos. It means something that has just been made, which is unlike anything else in existence. See, when God says that you are created new, right? You are a new creature. Hello? You're new. You are something that has never been, that never before existed in, ever before. Something new that, something brand new. Nothing ever before has ever been in existence like you. Huh? You ever think about yourself like that? That there's nobody else in this, nothing else in this world quite like you. That sounds like a song, huh? Well, I'm not going to sing it, praise the Lord. Because <laughs> if it was a song, I'd probably kill it. But there's nothing else in existence just like you. God created you special. God gave you a specific identity just for you. Nobody else has the identity that you have. Yeah, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. We are all God's children, but you are specific. God has created you specific. God created you. He, it wasn't like, there wasn't like an assembly line in heaven. God was like, okay, choom, you know, just, there's another one, there's another one. No, that's not how it was. God specifically sat down. Can you imagine sitting down and thinking about each and every one of you? How am I going to create this one? What kind of a personality am I going to give this one? You know, how am I going to, this one's going to have a mustache, that one's not going to be able to grow a mustache. <laughs> See, Greg can grow a mustache, I can't grow a mustache. Not really, amen. But God did that specifically. That's my identity. I'm the guy that can't grow a mustache in Victory Outreach, right? Talk about an identity crisis in Victory Outreach. You can't grow a mustache. Lord, help me. (laughs) 
But just like he made the earth out of nothing and there is nothing like it, so he made you and me. The same way he created the earth is the same way that he created you and me. Specific. Because they've sent out, like, spaceships and all kinds of different things to try to find life and planets, and, you know, they've never found one just like this one. They've never found a world just like earth. Why? Because there isn't another one just like this. God created just one. Same thing with you. There's only one of you. I know they say there's a doppelganger, but I don't know. I've never met the doppelganger. I've never met... I hope there's nobody just like me. <laughs> that would be scary. But there's nobody just like you. There's not another one of you. There might be somebody that looks similar, might sound the same, might, you know, but there's nobody just like you. Amen. We have been created new with a new nature, a spiritual nature, which fellowships with God, obeys his will, and is devoted to his service. That's why God created us, to obey him, to be devoted to him, and to fellowship with him. And in this newness, we need to learn and grow into the people that God created us to be, not the people the world wants us to be. So I'm here to let you know the world has a, they have a plan for you too, right? The devil has a plan for you too. He has an identity that he wants to give you too, huh? Some of you guys, you know what I'm talking about, right? Especially the guy, you know, and I, I'm, not, I'm not picking on the home. I'm only saying this because I came from the home. And I understand the struggle that, that we go through when we're in the home, especially, you know, new guys that come in. You know, we, we, hear, we, hear, we hear Jesus, we hear God, we hear Christ, we hear, you know, all this stuff, worship, pray, and we don't know. We kind of struggle with this whole identity. Who am I? Why am I here? What's the meaning of life, right? We, we get, but I'm here to let you know, stick it out. Stick it out. Don't go anywhere. You'll find out who you are. God will show you who you are. Huh? And the culture that we live in today says that you can choose your identity. And that kind of sounds like, well, that sounds pretty cool. I get to choose my identity. But here, let me tell you what I'm talking about. I thought about this, how I was going to say this, but let's put it this way. I, was, I told you before that when you were created, God created you a specific way, right? Before you were even in your mother's womb, God created, God knew you. He created you. You already know who and what you were going to be. Well, sometimes, especially in today's, it's getting really, really crazy that, you know, you have a boy or girl, they're born, they begin to grow up, and sometimes they feel, you know what? I don't want to be a boy anymore. I just don't identify with it. I identify with being a girl. So what do they do? They choose a different identity. And they choose. And they say, you know what? I don't want to be that. I want to be this now. And, you know, you would see guys or girls that would do that, you know, older. But now there's kids as young as 10, 11 years old that say, I don't identify with the way I was created. I identify a different way. And the world tells them, well, then just choose a different identity. It's up to you. I mean, yeah, you can do it. But what you're doing is you're saying, God, you were wrong. I'm right. God, you made a mistake. And I'm going to correct that mistake. That's what you're saying. But I'm here to let you know that that is a lie. That is a lie. That is a lie from the pit of hell. You were created the way God wanted you created. My God doesn't make mistakes. My God created me. God, my God created you the way that he wanted us to be created. Your identity is in him. We don't have a choice I'm here to let you know, you can't choose your identity in Christ. Christ says, I've already chosen it for you. I've already given it to you. You can't get away from it. You can't run from it. You are who I created you to be. You can't change it. Even if you change your gender, that's, see, that's another thing. See, they change the name. Instead of, I, they change it to gender. That's how bad it is. It's like, it's not just your, your identity. It's like they've got it all the way down to the, from identity all the way down to the level of a gender. Huh? That's how crazy it is. That the enemy's coming in and he's deceiving people. He's deceiving these little kids. And then not just that, he's deceiving their parents. Well, their parents are like, oh, yeah, if that's the way he feels, oh, we want to support him. How crazy is that? How crazy is that? To allow something like that with, with a 10, 11, 12-year-old kid. And they make a TV show about it. Really? 
Anyways, praise the Lord. See, the tactic of identity theft can be countered. Just because the enemy's coming at, at us, because how many know that even though the enemy's after us, that there's always a way out, right? The Bible says that God will always give us a way out, right? Well, the tactic that the enemy has can always be countered, but see, it's very, very simple. It's not some hard, it's not some, you know, trigonometry uh, thing to, to be able to counter the enemy. You just got to go to God's Word. You just got to go to the Word of God. God says that all things have passed away, not some things or a few things, but all things. You just got to stop holding on to some of them. Huh? See, the devil's been doing this for a long time. This isn't like something new. This, what's going on in our, in, our, in our culture, in our society today, isn't something new. He's been stealing identities for a long time. Remember Daniel? Not the one that was up here that's single. <laughs> Likes long walks on the beach and raps. Not that Daniel. Amen. We're talking about Daniel. Amen. <laughs> If you remember the story about Daniel, remember when he came in, they, they were there in captivity, him and some of the other guys that were in captivity, and they were, they were brought into the king's palace, and the king, what did he try to do? Well, it says like this, it says, And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, and at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among those were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name Balthazar, not James Balthazar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel proposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. And it wasn't about the food here, what I'm trying to tell you. It wasn't about him eating the food that he was eating. But see, the enemy was trying to come in, and he was using the king, or using the king's eunuch. Because the eunuch, what did he do? He tried to change their name. He tried to, to change their identity. He's like, yes, this is who you say you are, but now I'm gonna, this is going to be who you are. Huh? The enemy was trying to come in and steal his identity. But see, Daniel was, you know, Daniel was like, no, 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 that's not going to happen, right? And you go on and read the story, huh? And here we see Daniel's friends trying to be assimilated. They tried to assimilate them. They tried to bring them into the culture that they were having there in Babylonia, right? And that's the same thing that our culture is doing today. They're trying to, trying to come into the church, right? People come into the church, you know, and that, that culture comes with them. And that's our job is to pray and to see it as it comes and say, no, we got to break that. That, no, this is, not what, this is not what God intended for us. That's the world's culture. This is God's kingdom. Huh? This is not the kingdom of the world. This is God's kingdom. And we try to break that. Amen? And the king wanted to change their identities by changing their names. And you see, this happened over 2,000 years ago, and the enemy's still doing it today. He's doing the same thing. He's trying to change people's identities. But see, God's identities will set you apart. Huh? When, when you understand what you, who your identity, what your identity is in Christ, it will set you apart. Huh? It will separate you from the rest. Huh? Are you guys hearing me? They might have changed Daniel's name, but they couldn't change his heart. Huh? He was able to separate himself. Even in that culture, he, was, he allowed himself to be separated. Huh? He said, no, I'm not going to go with what everybody else is doing. Well, he could have, right? He could have said, oh, man, you know, we're in captivity. Look at the way the rest of my people are eating, man. They're all getting scrapped. But I'm in the king's palace, man. I can eat what the king's eating. I can drink what the king's drinking. He could have done what everybody else was doing, but he didn't. Huh? He said, no, I'm not going to allow the enemy to steal who I am. And steal my identity. I belong to God. And what did he do? That set him apart from everybody else. Huh? He could have made excuses again, gone along with everybody else. You know, everybody else is doing it. Why not me? Huh? There's a lot of people that happen to. Look at Solomon, right? Happened to Solomon. What about Samson? Right? Enemy came in. Powerful men of God. God came in, or the enemy came in. David. Nobody's immune to spiritual identity theft. 
I'm here to let you know, doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter who you are. The enemy can come in and lie to you. And it's in his word where we find what God says we are. The world can't tell you who you are in Christ. Huh? There's a lot of people that look to the world to find out who they are, right? They listen to Dr. Phil, right? Oprah, come on now, right? They try to say, oh, they're going to tell me who I am, or my job's going to tell me who I, who I am. But I'm here to let you know, the world can't tell you who you are. If you want to know who you are, the only place you're going to be able to find that is in the Bible. The Word of God is going to tell you who you are. My brother, do you got that video already? And I could be here all night telling you who you are in Christ by reading you scripture after scripture after scripture of who God says you are. But I'm not Isaiah Saldivar. <laughs> I don't got wind like that. But I could do it. I thought about it. But instead, I found a video. Amen. If they got that video, <laughs> praise the Lord. It does a better job than I, I ever could. This is just a little bit of who God says you are. According to the Bible, I am God's possession. I am his child, his workmanship. I want you to apply this to yourself. You are his friend, his temple, his vessel, a co-laborer, and his witness. You're a soldier, an ambassador, a building, a temple. You're his husbandry. You're a minister and an instrument. You're his chosen, his beloved, his precious jewel and his heritage. In Christ, you've been redeemed by blood, set free from sin, set free from Satan, set free from the kingdom of darkness, chosen before the foundation of the world, predestined to be like Jesus, forgiven of all your trespasses, washed in blood, given a sound mind, given the Holy Spirit, adopted into God's family, justified freely by his grace, given all things pertaining to life, given great and precious promises, given ministry of reconciliation, given authority over the enemy, given access to God, and given wisdom for free. In Christ, you are complete, totally in Him, free forever from sin's power. You're sanctified. You're fit for the Master's use. You're loved eternally. You're eternally kept in the palm of His hand. You're kept from falling. You're kept by His very power, and you're not condemned. You're one with the Lord. You're on your way to heaven, quickened by His mighty power, seated in heavenly places. You're the head and not the tail. You're the light in darkness. You're a candle in a dark place. You're a city set on a hill. You're the salt of the earth. You are His sheep. You're a citizen of heaven. You're hidden with Christ in God and protected from the evil one. You're kept by the power of God. You're secure in Christ. You're set on a rock. You're more than a conqueror. You're born again. You're a victor. You're healed by His stripes, covered by His blood, sheltered by His wing, and hidden in His secret place. In Him you have access to the Father, a home in heaven waiting for you, all things in Christ, a living hope, an anchor to your soul, a hope sure and steadfast, authority to tread on serpents, power to witness, the tongue of the learned, the mind of Christ, boldness and access, peace with God, and faith like the grain of a mustard seed. And in Christ you can do all things, find mercy, come boldly to his throne, quench the fiery darts of the enemy, tread on him like a serpent, declare liberty to the captives, Pray always, chase a thousand, defeat and overcome the enemy, and tread Satan underfoot. And the only things you cannot do in Christ is be separated from God, perish or be lost, be moved, be taken out of your Father's hand, be charged or accused, or be condemned. You need to choose to believe what God says you are. You got to believe who God says you are. Don't believe what the enemy says. Don't believe what the world says you are. Believe what the Word says you are. 
And every single one of those things that he said is in the word of God. It's not something that's made up. That's the word of God. That's what God says. That's who God says you are. And when you understand who God says you are, you can do what God says you can do. You can be what God says you can be. And normally when it comes to an altar call, we tell you to come forward, bow your head, lift your hands, you know, begin to cry out to the Lord. We play a slow song, but tonight I want to do something a little different. Is that okay? Because tonight I want us to proclaim that we know who we are in Christ. And you may say, well, I'm not really sure if I do. Well, by the end of tonight, I'm thinking you're going to have a better idea of who you are in Christ. And one of the ways we're going to do that is I want you all to stand to your feet right now. And if you say, you know what?